1 John chapter 1, verse 5 to 10. This is, the message, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. This is the word of God. Thanks, Yasin, for reading scripture for us. Uh, today we're going to talk about a pretty unpopular topic. <laughs> today we're going to talk about sin. You know, this sure way to stop a conversation is to raise the topic of sin. You know, we don't like talking about it, do we? You know, to speak of sin is to be judgmental, you know, legalistic, self-righteous. You know, people would say, who are we to say that someone else is wrong? You know, some people think the topic of sin belongs to a less enlightened time when people were oppressed by, making, uh, by being made to make, feel bad about themselves. Right? Sin is bad for our self-fulfillment. Sin is bad for our sense of uh, actualization, realizing our true potential. So, so the doctrine of sin kind of holds us back. So we've banished the sin word. Right? We, we talk about things like mistakes. We, we talk about personality or character flaws. We, we talk about indiscretions or lapses in judgment. You know, the only time we talk about sin is when we're referring to chocolate, ice cream, and chakwetiao. You know, and even when we do speak of sin, we speak of it as though it's uh, someone else's problem. You know, sin is a problem in the culture, Sin is a problem outside of the church. Sin is a problem with those people over there with their messy and broken lives. Right? That's how we talk about sin. You know, do we speak of sin with this attitude? God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortionists, unjust, adulterers, and even like this tax collector. Is that how we talk about sin? So how do we think about sin? And why does it matter? You know, why, why, why am I spending a good 45 minutes just thinking about this topic of sin, given that it's such an unpopular one? We've just started on a new sermon series through the book of uh, 1 John. So why did, why did John write this letter? I think in, in chapter 5, verse 13, he tells us the reason why he writes. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know, that you may know that you have eternal life. He, he's writing to believers and he's writing to assure believers of their faith, of, of their salvation, that they have eternal life. Now, why, why is it so important to have this assurance? Now, John says in this letter, as you read along, that it, it, it's, really our, it, it's really about having confidence in God. Right? The, the reason why assurance is so important is because we have confidence, not in ourselves, but confidence in God so that we have the boldness to trust in Him, to draw near to Him, 
and to depend on Him. That, that's why assurance matters, so that we have confidence in God. So how can we know if we are truly Christians? How can we know that we have eternal life? So in our passage for this, for this morning, John says that we can tell if we know God by how we think about sin. And that's really the key idea of this passage. We can tell if we know God by how we think about sin. If we know God, we will avoid two common lies about sin, and we will turn to the one Savior for sinners. And that's the outline for today as well. One truth, two lies, and one Savior. One truth, two lies, one Savior. So let's begin by looking at one truth about God. Look, at first, look first at verse 5. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaimed to you that God is light. God is light. In Him is no darkness at all. Now, when we come to the word light in the Bible, it refers to God's holiness, God's glory. You know, light speaks to God's perfect purity, how He's glorious in His righteousness. There's no darkness at all in Him. He is, as we've sung this morning, holy, holy, holy. And in the words of Paul, God dwells in unapproachable light, light so glorious that we can't come to Him on our own. Now, John himself was an eyewitness to God's glory. Now, if you read the Gospels, there's this interesting account in uh, Mark chapter 9 where Jesus is transfigured on the mountain, and then John was there together with Peter and James. They went up to the mountain with Jesus, and, and, and Jesus' divinity was unveiled before them. And, and they saw for themselves the radiance, the true radiance of who Jesus is. The, the gospel tells us that his, his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. John himself saw this truth, that God is light. And later on in John's life, he writes in Revelation 1, this wonderful description of the same Jesus. John says in Revelation 1, I, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were, like, were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet like burnished bronze, refined in the furnace. And his voice was like the voice, like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun, shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. I think that's the only response that we have before a God who is light. You know, we, we fall at his feet, it's like looking full on into the sun. You know, we, we just can't even keep our eyes open. And it just overwhelms us with, with how glorious and bright it is, how, how different it is from us. God is light. That's the truth that, that John wants to tell us. Now, when we say God is light, it, it talks about God's holiness, but it also means that God has made himself known to us, right? Because what does light do? You know, every time light comes into a place, what does it do? It, it drives darkness away. You know, when you switch on the lights of a room, it, it's not dark anymore. Light fills the room. Light illumines. Light reveals. 
light enables us to see God is holy, but, but this God who is light has also drawn near to us to shine His light into human hearts. As John tells us in his Gospel, chapter 1, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and, and we have seen His glory. John chapter 1. So God is light. This is John's message to us. Now, why must we know the truth about God? Why is it so important that John says this is the message that, that we, we, we preach to you, that God is light? Why, why does he want us to know this? Why is it so important? Now, how many of you have been on a first date before? I think a number of us have. You know, first dates are usually pretty nerve-wracking, right? You go on a first date. Why? Because you go on a first date and, you know, you, you like this person, but, but you don't know a lot about this person. So what do you do on a first date? You, you know, you kind of fumble through the first date, trying to guess what this person likes, what this person is like, right? right? So you kind of try to say things that you think will please this person. You kind of do things that you hope will please this person. You, you try not to make the first date a disaster, right? You, you try to kind of feel your way you know, around this first date to make sure that you are able to kind of please this person that you actually don't know a lot about. No, it's, it's us coming to God a bit like a first date, right? Are we trying to kind of feel our way to God, thinking, I'm not really sure what you're like, but I'm trying to guess what, what pleases you, what makes you happy. Do we have to guess when we come to God? Is it like going on a first date with God? The good news is that we don't. Why? Because God tells us. You know, God tells us, I'm light. And, and He tells us so that we may know how to approach Him, so that we may know what pleases Him, so that we may know how to come to Him. Right? And we, we, can't, we cannot come to God the right way if we don't know the truth about God. Now, God is light and He is holy, therefore we too must be holy. Psalm 24 says, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in His holy place? The psalmist gives us the answer, he who has clean hands and a pure heart. That, that's how we come to God. Clean hands and a pure heart. So friends, do you want to find out more about this God? You know, are you, do you want to know what this God is like and so that you may know how to come to Him? You know, if, if, you are, if you are visiting with us or you're new to Christianity, welcome. Uh, we do have classes going on during the week, you know, like the Tuesday Inquiry group, the, the Seekers group that runs on Sunday. And, and, you know, perhaps the friend that brought you, who's, who's happy to sit down with you and explain to you what God is like. You know, I, I think it, that, that's, the, that's the good thing to do, to, to hear for yourself from His Word what He's like, so that you may know Him and come to Him. So if you, if you haven't checked out these groups, I encourage you to do so. These groups run during the week. So that's the truth about God, that John wants us to know that God is light. And then John goes on to talk about two lies about sin. That's our second point, two lies about sin. How can, we sure, how can we be sure that we know the true God? You know, Jesus warns that not everyone who says to Him, Lord, Lord, will, is actually a, a true follower of His. You know, what a, what a tragedy it will be if one day we, we come before Jesus and He says to us, I never knew you. Depart from me. 
Not everyone who says to him, Lord, Lord, really follows him. So how can we be sure? How can we be sure that we are not self-deceived, that we truly know God? You know, the church, in, the church that John is writing to in 1 John faced this issue. You know, some, some people had left the church, and, and these people who had left, they had taught a different message, but they still claimed to follow Jesus. And you can imagine, for those people who were remaining in the church, who did not leave, because of this, they, they were confused and, and they were discouraged. You know, they became insecure about their faith because they, they must have been wondering, you know, what, what if the people who leave, what if they're right? What if we're wrong? You know, who, who know? So what is the, the true gospel? Have, have we believed the true gospel? Are we actually followers of Jesus or is it those who have left? Are they the ones who have the truth? So, so John writes to this church that's struggling with confusion, they're struggling with insecurity, they're struggling with doubt, and he writes this loving letter to assure them of their faith. And as I mentioned earlier, John says we can tell if we know God by how we think about sin. Now, what does John himself talk, say about sin? In, in chapter 3 of 1 John, John says that sin is lawlessness. Sin is a rejection of the lawgiver. God is the lawgiver. So when John says sin is lawlessness, he means that sin is a rejection of God and of His ways. So, you know, sin is not just doing bad stuff, right? Sin is not just breaking a law or, or doing kind of wrong things, but, but sin primarily is a rebellion against God, the lawgiver. You know, sin is saying to God, thanks, but no thanks. You know, I'd rather live my life my way, not your way. I'd rather follow uh, the idols of my heart, you know, the things that I really like, the things that I think will make me happy and I'd rather not have to follow you, God. So that, that's sin. Sin is lawlessness. And the false teachers were, were making certain claims about sin. You know, if, if you look at these, these verses here in our passage, you notice that if we say statements, the three of them, if we say, if we say, if we say, verse 6, 8, and 10, John is restating what the false teachers were saying. You know, if we say, you know, this is what the false teachers were saying. And essentially, if you look at these three, if we say statements, the false teachers were, were telling two lies about sin. Lie number one, God has no problem with sin. That's in verse six. You know, they would say, look at verse six, if we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So the false teachers were claiming to have fellowship with God. Right? They say, they, have, they walk with Him. They have fellowship with Him. But the problem is their lives didn't show it. They, they neither obeyed God's Word nor loved God's people. You know, there, there was no sign in their lives that God had transformed them. You know, but the false teachers believed that God had no problem with sin. You know, they thought that they could, have a, they could still have a relationship with God, although they continued living in sin. Now, if you think about this lie, it, it's, it's common. It, it's common with us today. You know, we, we want fellowship with God, but on our terms. You know, sometimes we, we use terms like unconditional love. And, and sometimes if we, if we dig a bit deeper you know, to that term, unconditional love, what we really mean is God must take me 
as I am, full stop. That it's wrong for God to expect me to change. Right? That is, I think sometimes it's a bit subtle, but sometimes that could be what we mean by unconditional love. You know, we want salvation without transformation. We, we want redemption without repentance. You know, we want heaven without holiness. You know, we, we want blessing, but we actually don't want God. You know, we just want the blessing that He gives us. No, Christianity, when we think that way, Christianity becomes like a buffet. You know, like we, we pick what we like and we leave what we don't. You know, don't, don't mention radical things like denying ourselves, taking up the cross, dying to our sinful selves. You know, don't, don't talk about that stuff because we just want the good stuff. Let's just get to the good stuff. You know, and, and why do we think such easy believism is even possible? It's because we think that our sin doesn't really matter to God. You know, it's like, surely He will overlook my faults. You know, I'm, I'm not, no one's perfect, and I'm not perfect. You know, besides, God is love, right? You know, if, if God is love, then surely it's His job to forgive my sins. He will always accept me just as I am. You know, my, my life shouldn't have to change. I can go on living in sin and still enjoy a relationship with God. You know, in, in other words, I can have my cake and eat it. But, but John says, no, God, God is light. God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. You know, like, like oil and water, light and darkness cannot mix. Right? You, you, can't have a, you can't have a room that's full of light and also full of darkness. Right? It just doesn't work. You know, sin separates us from God. If we believe the lie that God has no problem with my sin, then, then John says we're, we're lying about our relationship with God. John says we're, we're not practicing the truth. You know, notice what he says, practicing the truth. We don't often talk about truth in that way, right? We, we, we talk about believing the truth, knowing the truth, studying the truth. But John says practice the truth. In other words, live the truth. The truth about God is not just something to be believed in intellectually, but lived out. We are to be doers of the word, not just hearers. And John says, unless we are practicing the truth, we, we cannot have fellowship with the God who is light. So that's the first lie about sin. Lie number two, we have no problem with sin. You know, some, someone, someone may say, yeah, I, I get it. I, I, I take the point that sin separates us from God, but I have no problem with sin. You know, I'm not a sinner. I'm, I'm fine. You know, this is what the false teachers were claiming about themselves as well. Verse 8, we have no sin. Right? If, if, we, if we say we have no sin. And you notice sin is in the singular here in verse 8. You know, not sins, but sin in the singular. So what, what they were referring to, what these false teachers were claiming, was not they, they had these sins, various specific sins in their life, but what they were referring to was their condition. They're saying, we are not sinful. You know, we're not sinners by nature. So, so the false teachers saw themselves as basically good people. They saw themselves as basically good people. Not perfect necessarily, but, but basically good. 
know, and, and that's a very common way to think about ourselves now. Like, you know, a, a lot of us think of ourselves as basically good people. You know, to, to use the image of, of a car, we, 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 you know, we kind of see ourselves as needing minor repairs, but not a complete engine overhaul. Right? You know, maybe a new paint job, maybe some minor repairs, maybe cosmetic touch-ups here and there, but we're fine. We're basically good. This is a basically good car. It runs well. But, but John says, what ultimately matters is not what we think of ourselves, but what God says about us. Now, that, that's the only opinion that matters in life. Now, that, that's the only approval that we need in life. It's what God says about us. Verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we say we have no problem with sin, then really the, the only one we're fooling is ourselves. God's truth is not in us because if, if God's truth were really in us, we would believe what God says about us. You know, some of us may agree with the problem of sin in theory. You know, yeah, yeah, I know sin exists. I know sin is a bad thing. But we may not acknowledge that we have actually sinned in practice. So, so sin becomes this general problem. You know, like, yeah, yeah, I'm a sinner. It's like, it's like yeah, I know. We, it's, like, it's like some general illness that we have. Yeah, sin sin's a problem. We all have it. We're all sinners. But we don't, we don't acknowledge actual sin in our lives. So instead of, instead of acknowledging, you know, you see this in verse 10, right? Where, that, where they say, we have not sinned. So the false teachers were saying, there's no sin in our lives that you can speak of. We have not sinned. There's nothing specific that you can put your finger on. We're, we're actually fine. So instead of acknowledging that we've sinned against God and someone else, we, what do we do? We, we rationalize sin away. We, we give excuses we blame shift, right? So, so we, we, we talk about sin in this way. You know, it's not sin, it, it's a mistake. It, it, it's, it's a weakness. Uh, we, we say we, we're not responsible for sin, but really it, it's the fault of our circumstances. You know, it, it's the fault of other people who do hurtful things to us. So, so our, our, we, we try to justify our sins and, and rationalize our sins. And we say we have not sinned. You know, what, what, what's, a good, what's a good test of how open are we to acknowledge our own sin? Here's a good question to ask ourselves. You know, how do I respond when someone lovingly points out my sins? You know, lovingly. The key word is that lovingly, right? How do we respond if someone lovingly points out our sins? Do we get defensive? angry? Do we just shut the person down? Or do we kind of go on an attack and say, oh, but, but you're not perfect either? <laughs> or, or are we humble and receptive? You know, that, 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 that question over there reveals how open we are about our own sins. And, and, and John says it, it's a really serious problem. So John says, if we say we have not sinned, you know, we're not just deceiving ourselves. You know, John says it's worse than that. If we say we have not sinned, 
we're calling God a liar. We claim that what God's word says about us isn't true. You know, we say, God, I know what you say, you're wrong. I've not sinned. You're the one who's lying. Now, can you imagine? How, how, so how can we have fellowship with God if, if we're calling God a liar? You know, John says it, it's absurd to think that we can have fellowship with God while not acknowledging that we have sinned. You know, when, when we go to the doctor, what, what are we hoping for when we go to the doctor? You know, we want an honest, accurate assessment and diagnosis of our health, right? That, that's why we go to the doctor. We hope that our doctor is trustworthy. We hope that our doctor will tell us the truth. And we want the truth about our condition so that we can obtain the right treatment from the doctor. Right? It's no use telling us a lie and, and then we kind of go away happy, but we're actually not getting better. Right? But we want the truth so that we can obtain the right treatment. And friends, this is exactly what God is doing for us here. You know, th this is painful stuff to hear. Right? I mean, no, no one likes to hear about how fallen they are. Right? I, I, I don't like to hear about my own sin. But, but God is kind of pressing on our hearts. And He's doing that as, as a really good physician of souls. He's saying to us, hey, I, I'm telling you the truth about yourself so that you may receive treatment that really saves, treatment that really helps. It's no use telling us nice things about ourselves, but, but He's exposing ourselves, exposing our hearts. He's shining His light into our lives right now as, as, as He reveals who we are, as He reveals our need for Him. Now, the question for us now is, you know, how will we respond to Him? Will we agree with His diagnosis about ourselves or will we call Him a liar? This brings us to our final point. One Saviour for sinners. One Saviour for sinners. You know, why does God want us to know the truth about Him? Why does God want us to know the truth about ourselves? You know, Jesus says in the Gospels, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Jesus says, I, I came not to call the righteous, or those who think that they are righteous, but I came to call sinners. Isn't that good news? Jesus came not to call those who are well put together, those who think that they are fine. No, if, if we think we are fine, why would we come to Him? Jesus came to call those who know that they are sick. Jesus came to those who say, yes, you're right. I am a sinner. I have sinned. Now, God wounds us with His Word so that He might heal us. And unless we see our own sin, we will not see our need for a saviour. You know, and this is why how we think about sin, especially our own sins, is a good test of whether we truly know Jesus. You know, sin loves the darkness. John chapter 3 tells us that light has come into the world and tragically, people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. No, but but that, that's, that's tragic, isn't it? When we 
when we lie about our sin, you know, we, try, we love the darkness, we try to hide in the darkness, and when we do that, it, it, it only strengthens the grip of sin over us. Because sin loves the darkness. Sin, sin feeds on being hidden. Sin, sin feeds on the darkness. Pride and self-righteousness, they, they keep us in darkness and they rob us of true spiritual joy and peace. And, and Jesus comes and he speaks good news to us. He says, come out of the darkness. Come, come out of the dark. You know, he says to every one of us, don't continue walking in the dark. It, it will kill you. He invites us to walk in the light. Verse, verse 9 tells us what this means. To walk in the light means bringing our sins out into the open and just laying them before God and confessing them to Him. Confessing that we've sinned, confessing that we do have a problem with sin. You know, what, what is confession? You know, confession, here's, here's the definition. Confession simply means agreeing with God about what He says about our sin. Right? That's, that's what confession is. It's just agreeing with God about what He says concerning our sin. Right, right. Confession is simply going to God and saying, yes, God, you're right. You know, I, I have nothing to hide. I, I can't hide from you. You're light. You see all things. And, and your word tells me that I'm a sinner and God, you are right. No excuses. No self-justification. No rationalization. No blame shifting. Just confession. That's confession. God, you are right. Full stop. No buts. So confession means agreeing with God about our sinful condition as well as agreeing with God about our specific sins. It, it means opening up our hearts and lives to Jesus, the only Saviour and God's beloved Son, whom He has sent to save sinners like us. Confession means going to God through Jesus Christ, going to Jesus Asking Him for grace, mercy, and forgiveness. It's saying to Jesus, help. Just one word prayer, right? Help. Help me. So confession is not just something that we do when we, become, when we first become a Christian. Confession continues throughout our lives as we follow Jesus. Look, look at verse 9 carefully. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And, and the word confess is actually in the present continuous tense. So, so here's, here's how we should be reading verse 9. If we are confessing our sins, are confessing is ongoing. Not just once when we first become Christians, but through the rest of our Christian lives, we are confessing our sins. You know, remember the Lord's Prayer when Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our sins daily, right? The Lord's Prayer, daily bread, daily forgiveness. And that's exactly what John says here. Confessing our sins is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of confession and repentance. And, and John says this is a vital part of growing as a Christian. 
this lifestyle of turning away from sins, confessing them, turning to God. It, it's a lifestyle of trusting in Jesus continually. And oftentimes, we, we drift away from Christ because we stop repenting. Now, we, we, we start drifting away from Christ when we start thinking that we're okay on our own. You know, the, the drift often happens when we, when we, we, we begin to see or we begin to see less of His holiness, we begin to see less of our need for Him. And then we begin to drift. We, we drift towards self-righteousness. We drift towards licentiousness. And we just drift away from Christ because we don't see our need for Him daily. That's why John says, confession is daily. It's ongoing. As we come before Him again and again and again. So, so I encourage all of us to examine our hearts today. Examine our hearts today. Are we prepared to humbly, quietly, patiently, and thankfully grieve over our sin and repent of our sins? You know, Emily Chan, in her, in her baptism, she shared a wonderful verse right? in 2 Corinthians 7, 2 Corinthians 7. Godly grief, godly grief, leads to repentance. And, and I would say godly grief leads to repentance and joy unspeakable because we, we, we come to Christ again and He fills us and we know His peace and righteousness and hope. So, so confession is, is a grace of God. It's a means of grace. You know, I, I realize some of us here may be discouraged by our struggle with sin. You know, I pray that we do not lose heart. Right? Struggling with sin is actually a sign of spiritual life. Dead people don't struggle. People who are alive, people who have the Spirit, people who desire the things of God, what do we do? We struggle. We struggle to follow God. We struggle to put off the old man. We, we struggle to walk in newness of life. Struggling, struggling with sin is a sign that you are alive. If you don't struggle, you may be dead in your sin still. Walking in the light is not always a comfortable experience, right? You know, I've this, you know if, if you've been on planes before, you, know, you walk into the, you know, if you're on a long flight, you walk into the bathroom of the, of the plane and the, the fluorescent lights are especially harsh in the bathrooms and you look at yourself in the mirror, ooh, Looks terrible, right? Like in, you know, in the cabin, it's kind of dim and you know, everyone looks okay, but you, you walk into that bathroom with the, the, bright, the bright fluorescent lights, like, oh, okay, I really need to really wash up. Right? That, that's, walking in the light is uncomfortable, right? Because the, the light begins to, to get into every part of our life. It, it shines into the parts of our lives that we rather not see. But, but that's a grace from God. It's not always a comfortable experience. And the more we walk in the light, the more conscious we become of our sins, not less. You know, th this, is the, this is the counterintuitive thing about Christian maturity. The more we grow as a Christian, the more we see God's glory and holiness, the more we see our own sins. So sometimes when you talk to a mature Christian, a mature Christian often 
is very honest about how sinful they are. Because as they grow in the faith, they see more and more of the glory of God. And they see more and more of their need for a saviour. So, so mature Christians are humble, without exception. A mature Christian is humble. Because a mature Christian has a heart that is continually broken before God. Because they see God's holiness and they see their own sin more and more as they walk in the light. So, so that's why humility is such a good test of maturity. Because someone who has a broken heart before God, you know, sure, it's really difficult to, be, to remain proud if your heart is really broken before God. And then as we grow as a Christian, we actually grow to trust ourselves less. Right? As, as we grow as a Christian, we're more suspicious of ourselves, actually. Why? Because we're trusting in Christ more. That's what it looks like to actually become more like Jesus. So, so don't let the difficulty of struggling with sin tempt us back to the darkness. John tells us when we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. God is faithful to forgive our sins because He's being true to Himself. He's being true to His promise, which tells us whoever believes in Jesus will be forgiven. God is true to His Word. For, for Him not to forgive anyone who believes in Christ is to make Himself a liar. But God is faithful. He keeps His Word. God is also just to forgive us. Jesus has taken our sins on Himself if we believe in Him. He was punished in our place. He died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. Jesus has completely satisfied the demands of God's justice fully. 100%. In fact, for, for God to punish sinners who believed in Jesus again would, would make God unjust because He's calling for payment for sins that have already been paid for in Christ. God is just to forgive us. Friends, friends this is great comfort. You know, as, we, as we think about assurance, that the place to begin is we are assured not first of our experience, we are, we are assured of Christ. That in Christ, God is faithful and just to forgive us. If you want assurance of salvation, don't look at your own life first. Look to Christ. Know that He is the one Saviour for sinners and He is able to save us. Trust Him. Jesus makes us clean. Sin has left a crimson stain, but Christ washes us white as snow. And in verse 7, look at verse 7. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. The word cleanses there in verse 7, again, in the present tense. Jesus keeps on cleansing us from all sin. Jesus is constantly at work in our lives, purifying us, making us more like Him. He keeps on cleansing us. So friends, don't, don't let your sins keep you away from Jesus. Don't, don't think that you need to kind of somehow make yourself better before you come to Christ. No, Jesus keeps on cleansing. 
Jesus is constantly at work in our lives, making us more and more like Him. Whether you've been a Christian for a day or you've been a Christian for 50 years, we need to keep trusting in Christ. He keeps on cleansing us. You know, I love the quote from John Newton towards the end of his life. John Newton, just before he died, I think he, says, he said these words, Although my memory's fading, I remember two things very clearly. I am a great sinner and Christ is a great saviour. Yeah, what a wonderful thing to remember at the end of our lives. If we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. That's what John says. Our unity with one another depends on our holiness. We are to walk in the light together as God's redeemed and holy people. Now John says, you know, the one thing that gets in the way of our unity, the one thing that gets in the way of our fellowship as God's people, it's not our personalities, it's not our diversity, it's not our age, it's not our culture. What's the one thing? It's sin. Sin gets in the way of our fellowship as the people of God. But John says, if we walk in the light, if we follow Jesus, if we love Him, we obey Him, we trust Him, John says we have fellowship with one another. Sin separates us, sin isolates us from the community. But John says walk in the light. Walk in the light together. Help one another walk in the light. You know, is there someone in your life that you are encouraging to walk in the light? Is there someone in your life that, who is encouraging you to walk in the light? I think it's wonderful as, as we heard the testimonies of the people who were baptized this morning. I, I think there's a recurring theme in each of the testimony that all of them could say that there was someone in their lives who helped them to walk in the light. Brian, Toby, and in the case of Emily, I know that Carrie has been meeting up with her just to read the Bible with her. And we need to do this for one another. That's what fellowship is. We walk in the light together and we help one another to walk in the light. Do you know someone who might be straying away from the light? Do you know someone in your life who've walked away, maybe not at church anymore, maybe not in your CG anymore? You know, lovingly pursue them, call them back to walk in the light. Because this is what our fellowship depends on that we walk in the light together as God's people. So what is our attitude towards sin? How do we view sin? John tells us a, a true Christian, a true Christian is one who walks in the light together with other Christians, trusting in Jesus to make sinners clean. That's what it means to walk in the light together. Are you walking in the light. Let's go to God in prayer. Dear Father, we thank you for your gospel. We thank you that you have saved us, brought us into your kingdom of light. And Father, we pray that your words would cut to our hearts. Father, we pray that you who are light, we pray that you would shine the light of your word into our hearts. Help us to see ourselves 
in the clear light of your holiness and your glory. Father, as we come to you now, we pray that you would examine our hearts before you, shine the light and search us, O Lord. Reveal to us areas of our life that we have not brought into the light. Father, we pray for your grace and mercy upon us. We pray that you would show us our sin, not to crush us, but show us our sin that we might flee from it and turn to you for grace and help in our time of need. So Father, as we come to you, we, we pray that you would help us to trust you. Help us to rejoice in the salvation that we have through your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us to turn to him again, to, to know the joy that comes from him, to know the peace that comes from him. So Father, we pray that you work in us powerfully by your Spirit. Call us to yourself. May we experience the joy of fellowship with you and fellowship with one another as we walk in the light together. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.